Welcome to Insignium Bits, conversations about breakthrough, innovation, and transformation. So, hi, welcome back to Insignium Bits. I am Anna Islamova, and today I'm joined by Insignium consultant Tracy Holloman to discuss diversity and inclusion in the workspace. So, welcome, Tracy. Thank you for having me here. Oh, I'm actually so excited to have this conversation with you. First of all, I wanted to give you an opportunity to introduce yourself a little more and how how did you become interested and involved in diversity and inclusion in your career? Well, previously, I had founded my own uh, organization that I operated as a consultant, Um, but my background prior to that was always in the HR space. And where I found myself gravitating to is issues of employee engagement. And what would unfold naturally would be that there would be some type of bias going on within the organization. And so um, I really focused my intentions and my work on uh, coaching executives and really working on how to bring people together in such a way that they are inclusive and that there is equity throughout the entire organization. So this is exciting for me because, you know, I am coming from Russia myself. um, And and back in the day when I was born, we had a Soviet Union and we did promote inclusion because there were so many different countries included in the Soviet Union. But I also know that we never spoke when I when I grew up, nobody ever spoke about bias. Right. Or what is bias? And no matter how, quote, per quote, inclusive we were. There's always more bias that we were not speaking about. So when I came to America, for me, this conversation was new, but at the same time, not new as well. So I wanted to see if you could give us a little more information or shed the light on what is bias and how ones can see or not see the biases that they have uh, in their own life or in the workplace. Well, bias is actually a tendency to believe that some people's, some people, their ideas or what have you are actually better than others. Um, And it usually results in you treating people unfairly. Um, You know, there's an inclination or a temperament that people have um, or an outlook that they have, especially around uh, certain groups and types of people. And it's sometimes an unreasoned judgment about people. And there's there's many different types of bias. The ones that people typically focus on in an organization um, are the cognitive, cultural, and implicit biases that really separate an organization um, because once they're unchecked, they evolve into other types of behaviors. And that's where your HR department usually gets involved because it's become so out of control that um, they've got to do some type of intervention because the divide amongst people, um, you know, becomes prevalent. Yes, ideally that would happen, right? Ideally, the HR department would get involved from seeing what's going on in organization. But in your life, I know you've had quite a few examples and you it's important to you as an advocate for diversity and inclusion that people in organization understand that even though they're not in a leading role, they can make a difference or bring attention of the people who are at the helm of the organization to what is actually happening. Could you share with us 
how that showed up in your own life and where did you find it applicable for yourself, where you stood up for someone or somebody else stood up for you? Well, it's shown up many times, unfortunately, in my career, uh, but I've always thought of myself as an advocate for people. Um, one specific example that I can share with you, and maybe if we have time, I can share another, but one specific inter, uh, intervention that I had to do was with an organization that hired me uh, to replace someone. And the woman did not know she was being replaced and I didn't know I was replacing her. So she definitely felt some kind of way when I came into the organization. And then she found out the day that I arrived that I was taking over her role. So there was some friction there. You know, um, she felt some kind of way about it and I was blindsided. Um, But I was paying attention to the things that were being said about this woman. Now, when I looked at her work, she had stellar work. It was impeccable. I've never seen anybody with such precision (laughs) as this woman. And she was very meticulous and always on time, very friendly to folks. Uh, But my boss and my boss's boss just didn't like her. And they didn't like her because of her work ethic or anything like that. What I would evolved and the things that they were saying about her, I finally asked the question, why is it that you don't like her? And it became, well, you know how Jewish people are. And I I can tell you the hairs on my arm stood up and I was like in flight or fight or flight mode (laughs) because I, I, you know, I, I felt like, wow, this is so unfair. And if this is what they're saying about her, right, Mm -hmm. what could they potentially be saying about me as a woman of color? And so I took the conversation to um, our employee labor relations VP so that I could talk to him about it and then we could come to the table and have a conversation. But I can tell you as the conversation unfolded and I asked them to put themselves in her shoes, that's when the light bulbs went off for them. If this is what she's experiencing, what is happening to the rest of the organization? Because who I was speaking to were senior level folks in our HR department. So that is how that particular situation unfolded. But I can tell you right now, when you're an advocate for people, you will stand up naturally um, because something just doesn't sit right with you. You will definitely speak up, stand up, show up for people and, you know, embrace them. But I think the one thing that really came out of that is that um, myself and a couple of other folks in our department really embraced this woman and made her feel like she was part of the team. And I would bring her to meetings with me. I would showcase her talents. Um, So I was a huge advocate for her, uh, such that people in the organization were seeking her out to get work done. And so it had the opposite effect of what my boss and my boss's boss had intended for her because they wanted her to quit. And talk about, yeah. yeah, talk about transformation. Yeah. So it was really shaping the context for her, right? The context of this environment, shaping the context for them that, you know, Jewish people are bad. They're not bad. (laughs) Jewish people are not bad. It was this context that they had for themselves around, you know, people that were different from themselves. And it really made for a horrible work environment. And it made people fearful as well. I could see the fear in people who were not Jewish or who were not people of color, but I could still see the fear in their faces when they would hear these conversations. And these two women had no qualms about 
speaking about this woman in ear when she was in earshot. So that's how I knew it was pervasive and I needed to go to someone who could resolve the issue. But when we got done with her, we we really made sure that she felt like she was part of the team. They had an awakening that their role as leaders is to shape the culture of the organization. And doing things like that was not shaping the culture. It was actually causing a divide. Well, that's remarkable, really, that you did that. And for all the people who actually do it in their own communities and organizations. And I got to tell you, you know, I can totally relate to people being afraid to speak up or seeing something and thinking, oh, I'm not Jewish. So it's not about me. Uh, or somebody else will take care of that, or I'm afraid I'm going to make it worse. (laughs) You know, I definitely have this one. I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't know how to handle the diversity and inclusion conversation. I'm afraid to make it worse, or I'm afraid to make a mistake. And uh, one of the reasons why I wanted to have this conversation with you and make uh, make it a part of bits as well is because I think this courage is phenomenal and somebody has to start it with with trust that other people will show up uh, inside of the organization and uh, like you said you could see that fear or uncomfortableness that they experience in the organization because of somebody being treated unfairly so absolutely remarkable work that's a um, lot with people not knowing what to do yeah you know, they're uncomfortable but they don't know what to do And um, I can tell you right now, there were quite a few folks and they were surprised that, you know, I, not that I was confrontational, but I I called it out when it happened. Mm -hmm. I said, wait a minute, that, that's not a fair statement, you know, and um, it would happen over and over again, where I would stop the the conversation and say, that's not appropriate, you know, and, you know, it, it, it became uncomfortable for the people who were doing the wrongdoing you know, that I would call them out on it. Um, And then, you know, when you're an advocate, when you're an ally for people, you know, you got to be tough. You got to be a little bit tough because that can easily turn on you, which happened to me. And it was okay, you know, because I know that I could handle it. But for this woman, I just, my heart just went out for her because she just, her performance just declined significantly. And I knew that it was because of what was going on around her, the occurring for her at work. And my job as the manager in, in that particular situation was to ensure that the best could happen for her in that work situation. Okay, that's perfect because I can sense two questions coming up right here. The first one would be, so why is it important you know, to have diversity and inclusion being a topic? In organizations and in the world, frankly, right now, um, like why is it important? It's important because you want diverse perspectives of all people, all walks of life, no matter what their skin color is, no matter what their educational background is, no matter what their their uh, experiences um, in terms of the work. You want to have diverse perspectives because that's how you get to. Um, seeing different sides of solutions, you know, resolving problems or figuring out that there is a problem and bringing solutions to it. You cannot do that if you have people that only look like you, only think like you, only talk like you. You know, it's it's what our world is. We're made up of diverse people from every walks of life. And when I think of the United States, 
we are a melting pot. It's a place where everyone can come, you know, everyone can come and bring their full selves to this, this country. And if we're not creating that environment where people can be themselves and bring their best selves wherever they go, then what's the point of us being here? We're all human beings, period. That's and right. We've got to love each other. And how we do that is by being inclusive and letting people know that they belong. Well, that's such a much better pitch than, you know, we have to be diverse and inclusive because of profitability or because we need to hit the markets. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you, Tracy. Thank you for your continuous support and a stand for diversity and inclusion in organizations and in the world. Thank you, Anna, for having me on this segment today. I really appreciated talking about diversity and inclusion, and I hope that we can continue. Absolutely. And on our next episode of Diversity and Inclusion at Work, Tracy and I will take a deeper dive into the negative impact of bias on our relationships and at work, and how can we distinguish biases around us and our communities. So we'll see you all next time on BITS. Thank you so much for listening in. Over 30 years ago, Insignium pioneered the field of organizational transformation. Please continue to our library in the episodes page of your podcast tool of choice.